0: at the intersection of true crime and real estate you'll find crime estate i'm heather and i'm elena as real
1: estate agents moms and true crime junkies we view crimes through a
0: different lens so walk through the door of some of the most notorious true crimes with us and discover how sometimes the scene of the crime has its own story to tell Hey, y'all. Merry Christmas and happy holidays. We are back with a special holiday crime estate for you all today.
1: Yeah, I'm super excited. We wanted to keep it a little light this holiday season. And so we came up with a fun twist for this episode.
0: Yeah, that's right. So no murder today. Mm. But don't worry, (laughs) Alana, don't worry. We have plenty of crimes and plenty of interesting real estate to discuss. Um, Okay, so let me ask both of y'all this. Alana, our fabulous producer, Melanie, when you all think of iconic Christmas homes, which homes come to mind? Well, it has to be Home Alone, number one. I mean, for sure. Yeah. Especially for
2: our generation,
0: don't you think?
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely Home Alone is one of my favorite Christmas movies. We just watched it a couple of nights ago. Um, But anything with all those big decorations. Uh, like Christmas vacation. Some of those, those are things that I always think about. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: So, I mean, you're probably getting a picture of the Home Alone house in your mind right now, but if not, it is a red brick Georgian. It has, you know, beautiful white windows with black shutters, pretty white columns framing the front door. It's just a really iconic, Mm -hmm. traditional, beautiful old Mm -hmm. house. With a basement. Yeah, it does have we a basement. Have basements.
2: I wish we had basements here. I do too.
0: We would, it would be so helpful to have a basement. Mm-hmm.
2: It, you know, the Home Alone house is sort of like that Americana mm-hmm. uh, house. I feel like that is what uh, maybe an, a European thinks that the oh. average American house is, because that's probably like just like so kind of over, over Americana. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. And you know what I didn't realize until recently is that Catherine O'Hara was the mom on Home Alone.
1: hmm Oh, that's You're it? saying, uh-huh? Oh.
0: Like, did y'all <laughs> yes. know that? Yes. Yes. Okay. Never mind. I thought there was more to it. <laughs> no, I just, in my head, I see, like, Diane Keaton or somebody when I think about oh, it. Oh, she was
1: Father of the Bride.
0: Yeah, maybe. so maybe I'm just getting them mixed too. up. But I love her so much in Shit's Creek, and I just, I'm having a uh, hard time, like, pairing the those characters person. up. I get mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, it might not surprise you that homes that appear in movies have a very similar yet also very different appeal to homes where crimes have occurred. Um, you know, they both really have these cult followings and they both suffer from a lot of looky loos, but in an inverse way, they'll actually sell for more than similar homes in their neighborhood because of the celebrity factor. And, you know, just, I I think that overall sort of increases the Mm -hmm. value of the neighborhood, um, directly inverse to like where a crime's occurred and you pay less for the house and maybe it, mm-hmm. it decreases makes the value sense. of the that neighborhood. Makes sense. Yeah. Um in fact according to a recent survey by US Switch, is which is one of those like online comparison companies, homes and iconic movies increased the value of the house and even the surrounding neighborhoods by two hundred percent, with one of the highest value increases being for the house where Mrs. Doubtfire was filmed.
1: Oh my goodness. I love that movie. We watched that nonstop growing up Oldie but goodie. If you think about it though, filming locations scout out cool, unique properties. And so you're already dealing with a great home and a great neighborhood. And then you add the celebrity factor to it. That definitely helps.
0: Yeah, it just, yeah, you're right. It's like they're not looking for like dilapidated houses for the most part right. in these movies. Yeah. So.
1: And I don't think anyone who's listened to our last 30 episodes would be surprised to hear that you have some very particular rules when it comes mm-hmm. to decorating. Your home
0: for the home. I do. I'm not sure if I'm uh, offended by that it's or good, if I. It's good. I, it's good. You just know me that well. But yes, I, you know, I do. I mean, I live my life by a set of very defined rules. Um, and holiday decor is no exception. But as I was thinking about this episode and sort of putting my judgy little list together, I realized that a lot of these rules actually apply just to like how you live in your home every day. And they're not just Christmas rules. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So rule number one, pick a color and stick with it. So I don't care if you want to do multicolored lights, that's great. You you have your theme. It's (laughs) multicolored. But what I'm saying is you can't pick like a 2000 watt hue and a 7000 watt hue and like mix them. Yeah. That's just bad. You can't have like the light white and then the golden and then the blue. Right. I think they're all white lights because they're not. Right. Yeah, yeah, the wattage and then even like,
1: I don't know, like they have the the LEDs look different than the traditional, like they all have a different hue and different vibe. So
0: I I get that. And I mean, I think that's same for your house. Like if you in your living room have three lamps, Mm -hmm. they all need to be the same color hue.
1: Yes. And I have a lamp right now. It has three bulbs and you would die because (laughs) one of the bulbs went out. And I sent Aaron to the store to get it, and he got the wrong one. And I was like, well, I have to have a lamp. So I put it in there, and it's completely – they're three different bulbs. I know what I'm
2: getting
0: you for Christmas now.
2: (laughs) I'm getting you like a 12-pack of of the same color. Okay, I like like it. Does that bother you, Melanie? It does bother me, although I'm also lazy. So it's – you know, so I literally put like – I, I I occasionally have the wrong light bulbs in there. I mean, I will fix it, but you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. My husband would not even notice, not even notice that at all. Mm-hmm. I at least notice it and get annoyed. Yeah. So I think we all know,
1: I feel like you both are extra and I'm not. Oh,
2: <laughs> I feel like I'm not and you
1: what? are. Okay. You're actually not that extra. We're side-eyeing. I know. Everybody's (laughs) looking at me over here. But I don't think that's terrible. That's a good one. I like that.
0: No, I mean, I think just consider this my public service announcement. If you have never considered the wattage of your lights, now is the time you need to think Mm -hmm.
2: about that. And I do agree. Like, I mean, especially when you're trying to go classy or elegant, like, Heather, your house is... um, But, you know, my family, one of our Christmas traditions every year, since I was little, was is to one night to go driving around and go looking at lights. And, you know, we did that in my hometown. We'll do it here in Dallas. And... Yes, you know, you you drive by the beautiful homes that are all lit up in in white, which is honestly kind of what I what I actually tend to do when I put lights in my house. But really, what is fun to go to are these crazy over the top mm-hmm. houses. Like one of my favorite houses, they do it only every, every other year because it's so much work. But it is out the wazoo. It's crazy. It's funny. It's kitschy. It's definitely probably breaks every Heather decorating rule, but you know, it it is a lot of fun. And some, and let's be honest now, that's what our kids like, you know, they, they remember some of these crazy ones, but I also uh, think that if you're going to go big, go big, Mm -hmm. but take it down. You know, okay. That's annoying to me is it's the end of January, God forbid, February, and you're driving around and it's still fully lit up. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, I totally agree. I think that's a good rule. What do you think? is like the earliest you should put up your christmas decorations and the latest you should take it down. And before you answer, mm-hmm. I have researched this and I know oh. what the actual oh, rule dang. is.
1: Okay. I think December 1st for putting them up obviously and then taking down I don't know,
2: first week of January. Okay, you're in pretty good shape. What about you, Mel? Yeah, I I am um, I think you're right. About beginning of December 1st, um, my husband said this. He said, we're going to do Thanksgiving next year. That's only because we literally just put out some decorations this week. And I actually have boxes and boxes of great decorations that uh, just, it's lazy to get them all out. And so now we're like, okay, we we should have put them out a couple of weeks ago. Um, but my uh, younger son, as you know, he's a, an old man. An old man. Um, and he is... very opinionated on this. He thinks... As old men are. Yes, yes. He hates when, like, in in November, and honestly, if he had his brothers, it would be like December 15th. He's like, everything should have its season. Everything should have its old time. And he's like, you know, you can't have a Thanksgiving season if you're trying to be doing Christmas decorations in November. And so I do kind of agree with this point, but it also just makes me laugh that he's so opinionated about it. it. But yeah, um, I think I we usually that uh, end of the first week of January is what we aim for to have it down. Yeah, yeah. So according to Balsam Hill, which is like
0: a great Christmas shopping or Christmas yeah. decor shopping resource, if you all haven't checked them out, they did a study, quote unquote study, <laughs> um, and the majority of people put their Christmas decorations up the day or the weekend after Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. with the second highest number of people putting the, them up the first week of December. Okay. And in terms of taking them down, the first week of January is like by by far the leader on when you should do it. Um, but decorators will say, and tradition will tell us, that you can leave your Christmas decor up through the 12th day of Christmas. The epiphany. The epiphany. That's yeah. right. And then after that, it is, I mean, I don't think you can say it's bad luck because that's not really Christian tradition, but it it should come down after mm-hmm. the epiphany.
2: The, and it doesn't surprise me that Balsam Hill would also do this today because they are known for their fabulous um, uh, fake trees. Uh, but like my house, we tend to usually always get like a nine-foot um Noble fir, Fraser fir tree, and so that's also part of the reason, like for our timing, is I don't want to put it up too early mm, yeah. because it'll be dead by Christmas, and then you know after that first week of January, it's starting to look a little, a little right. limp. There's needles everywhere. Yeah.
0: Well, I think we've told everybody. You know, we were sort of displaced last year. We were living in a temporary house, and our living room was really dark. Um, and I was not going to pay to replace all the lights with like fancy light bulbs because we weren't going to be there for very Mm -hmm. long. And so I left my Christmas tree up until we moved out, which goes against every rule I have ever made for myself.
1: But you changed the bulbs.
0: No, I changed the decorations though. Yeah. So I changed the decorations. So in February we did like shamrocks for, um, St. Patrick's day and we did, you know, I love that. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I guess we did hearts in February for St. Patrick's Day and then shamrocks in March. for
2: Valentine's Day. Yeah. St.
0: Okay. Valentine's So in February, we did hearts for Valentine's Day. In March, we did shamrocks for St. Patrick's Day. In April, we did something for my son's birthday. So, you know, we just kept it festive. I love that. And I think that speaks to like when you are in a different season, you just sort of have to roll with it no matter what the mm-hmm. rules are. Mm-hmm. Love it.
2: I I liked during COVID, um, people I knew were putting up the tree like months early. And I actually kind of appreciated Mm -hmm. that. Like, you know, if it brings you joy, you know, who are we to be offended? Like this is, you know, if it's in your own house and it's going to make you smile, keep it up.
0: I'm with you. Okay. But back to famous Christmas movie houses. Like we said, few houses are as iconic as the Home Alone house. In fact, for $300, you can even build your own Lego Home Alone house. Bargain. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, Home Alone was written by the iconic 80s filmmaker John Hughes, and Hughes based most of his movies, so think like Ferris Bueller's Day Off and Pretty in Pink, in Chicago and its suburbs. So this classic 1920 red brick uh, Georgian um, is about a 5,000 square foot home, and it was really used mainly for the exterior shots. And it's located at 671 Lincoln Avenue in Winnetka, Illinois. Now, the film's director, Chris Columbus, described selecting the home in a 2015 interview by saying, we needed to cast a house that would work for the stunts and also a house that was visually appealing and, if this makes sense, warm and menacing at the same time. It's the kind of house, if you were a kid, it would be fun to be left home alone. Columbus snapped a few shots of the dwelling's exterior and sent them to Hughes, who called it perfect, and added, this is exactly how I imagined the house. That's nice. Yeah, so they used the exterior of the home for a lot of the shots, which required shooting from like 5.30 at night to before sunrise each morning. And then the filmmakers actually rented the homeowners an apartment to stay in during the four-month filming process. But the family decided to return home after only a few nights, and so they lived in the master suite on the second floor while the film crew worked downstairs. And I heard that they, they did use the, um, the staircase for like the sliding down the staircase yes. scene.
2: Yeah they, yeah, they used the, the foyer, which had that kind of quintessential staircase. And like, I think the living room was some of the inside mm-hmm. shots. But you think about it, and I just watched the movie the other night, there is actually a lot that takes place outside in the treehouse, et cetera. And so all of that was actually exterior to the house. But uh, when you bring up Home Alone, and I don't know how this fits with your home decorating rules. But one of the things that I'm always amazed by, and once you see it, you can't not see it anymore, is that every single room in the house is, um, at least as it's decorated in the movie and was not probably on a, a lot somewhere, is red and green. And like every room has wallpaper, not just like a little bit of wallpaper, mm-hmm. but every room has wallpaper, red, white, and green. Um, and it's also in the kitchen, you know, very 1980s style kitchen red pots, green tiles, red teapot, uh, crimson floors, even a green rolling pin. There's no green rolling pins in real life, but this is a green. Um, so next time you watch a movie, and I just watched it a couple of nights ago, you're going to look and you're going to realize that even like the pizza delivery man is wearing red, white, and green. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, it it is crazy and over the top.
0: I love that. Yeah, we're going to have to watch it and look for that. Um, I did read that they... The the set they made was at an old school that was vacant, and so they built the rooms inside of the school and filmed those interior so shots cool there. How they
1: do things like that.
0: I yeah. know it's so talented. So once the film was released, it quickly became a fan favorite, and people would visit the home to take pictures. Interesting and crazy enough, if you watch the movie closely you can easily determine where the house was located. There's a scene in the film where Kevin tells Santa that he lives at 671 Lincoln Boulevard, the home's actual address, although technically it's 671 Lincoln Avenue. And another fun fact about the Home Alone house is that apparently the friends show used stock footage from Home Alone to represent the house that Monica and Chandler moved into at the end of the series. That's cool. So Home Alone makes me think about another one of my rules for the holidays, Mm -hmm. which is also probably a good rule for all time. There are so many break-ins and so much extra crime around the holidays. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was the whole premise of this movie was these people were leaving and all their neighbors left. And so these, you know, these robbers could come into the empty houses. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's a really smart thing for people to do to think about Is your house well lit? You know, remember it starts getting dark so early in the winter. And so are all your exterior light bulbs replaced, preferably of the same wattage. (laughs) Um, You know, are you locking your doors? Are you setting your alarm? Are you sending your Amazon packages to the office? My neighbor just this week had nine Amazon boxes stolen off her front porch. And it was creepy. So she said, hey, she could see on her ring that the Amazon guy came at 255. And I could see on my ring that the Amazon truck was in front of my house at 258, so three minutes. And it was stolen in those three minutes. So, like, it had to be somebody following the Amazon oh, truck. Wow. Oh, God. So, I just think it's important this time of year to think about, you know, be aware, maybe yeah. don't throw like new TV boxes out the day after Christmas. <laughs> you know, be aware of what you're presenting to anybody else that may be looking at your
2: mm-hmm.
0: home. Um, and just be a little extra cautious this time of year.
2: Yeah, I just bought um, some of these Amazon smart plugs because do you remember like the old-fashioned, uh, like you put your lights on timers mm-hmm, when you mm-hmm. leave? But now with these smart plugs, you can turn like lights on and off through like a, a, an Alexa app on your phone. Uh, I don't know, like, I, just like- No, I love that. So because it's not just like at 7 p.m. all the lights go on or something like that. You could have things change. You could put music on in the house if you wanted to at different times.
0: yeah. That's a very uh, Kevin from Home Alone kind of move, you know? know? I love that. So a few years ago in 2021, Airbnb actually opened the doors of the Home Alone house for a one night only stay hosted by none other than Kevin's older brother, Buzz. Mm. Buzz was so funny. He was mean. Yeah, mean, but. Um, And other than that, there's no way to get inside unless you know the current owners. However, many fans still walk or drive by the house each year and take pictures of the exterior. And if you really want to spend a night living out your own Kevin McAllister adventures, you can rent out a Home Alone-themed Airbnb in Dallas for only $247 a night. Sounds like a bargain. Yeah, it's it's actually kind of near here. Oh, okay. I love that. So the home sold in twenty eleven and Mel, we were talking about this earlier. Um, it sold for one point five eight five million dollars, which actually seems it's a lot of money. Don't get me wrong. But I'm surprised it wasn't mm-hmm. a little more than that. I mean, I guess it was twenty eleven.
2: Yeah, yeah. No, I mean it, it's a, it is a really nice neighborhood. Um, but and it's an upscale, it's kind of a cool like upscale. Quote unquote village, because it's about 16 miles north of downtown Chicago. So, what you and I would kind of, you know, definitely consider the suburbs, but it is a very older suburb that has obviously homes from the 1920s in it. But yeah, no, I, I think that was a pretty good deal. But um, I read that the family had grown up and obviously it was a really large house, probably the right time to uh, downsize. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So the other iconic Christmas movie house that we have to cover, of course, Mm -hmm. is the house in National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. I mean, this movie also took place in Chicago, interestingly enough. However, the home was actually in Burbank, California. And this is because the property stands on a street known as Blondie Street in a private Warner Brothers compound
2: in LA. Have you been there, Mel? I mean, I've been to Warner Brothers compound, and if you've never taken the Warner Brothers Studio lot tour, it's actually excellent. You get to see stuff. And now that I think about it, I've actually been on the, I've been on the lot a couple of times for work, so I did take a few hours to kind of wander around by myself. You weren't uh, discovered? Uh, no, uh, shockingly not. Um, but there, are, it is weird that there's like what looks like like real houses, and they, I mean, they are, you know, kind of real houses, mm-hmm. but like not like the type they may live in and it you know they just pick and choose which house which style which neighborhood that they need to use for whatever film tv show that they're working on
0: yeah so the street and like the dozen or so properties that are on it have actually been used in a lot of movies over the years um think of movies such as american beauty hocus pocus and even recently um it was the home of wanda and vision on the disney show wanda vision that's a good show
2: yeah, I really like that show, yeah. but but can you imagine that was actually the uh, house from the Christmas vacation? Yeah, that's
0: crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. I feel like I need to go back and watch it
2: yeah. again. But, you
0: know, these shell homes are continuously updated over time, and they're used for different WB TV shows and films just sort of as needed, which I think is really cool. However, there is a home in Greater Akron that is known as the Griswold House, and just like in the movie... Every inch of the suburban home is covered from roof to foundation with some 250 individual strands of energy-efficient LED lights. That's 25,000 individual light bulbs. There's also other fun nods to the movie on decorations outside the home. This year is actually the 11th year that the family has covered their home in lights and raised money for charity.
1: That's really sweet. I
0: know, it might not be your design aesthetic, but I think
1: all of our boys would love it.
2: Yeah. 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 I mean, it, I even read that you can see uh, passenger planes flying above this house can see it from down below. Mm. Kind of cool.
0: Speaking of our boys, have your kids ever had a Red Rider BB gun? Nope.
2: Definitely. Yours have? Of course. I love that. My brother had one. I, re- I still vividly recall the Christmas, that he got it for Christmas, and he had it hidden. My dad had it hidden behind um, curtains in the living room. And so it was the very last gift that they pulled out as the big surprise at the very end of Christmas one year. Yeah. Who can forget?
1: You'll shoot your eye out <laughs> in the classic movie. This cult classic movie was set in a fictionalized Indiana town, but the house is actually in the Cleveland, Ohio Tremont neighborhood. The, ni- the 1895 home at 3159 West 11th Street was chosen as a classic model of a neighborhood where traditionally families of the local steel mill workers lived. While many interior scenes were filmed in Toronto, the house and the neighborhood were used for the exterior scenes and the local department store where Ralphie met Santa. While Cleveland gets a lot of snow, unfortunately, there was not a lot during filming and much of the snow that viewers saw had to be brought in from ski resorts from the area and firefighter foam and potato flakes were also (laughs) used. That's crazy.
0: Yeah, that's fun. That'd be like trying to film like something with snow in Dallas.
1: We could totally do that with potato flakes. That's really smart. Are you going to
2: clean it up? Yeah. Oh, right. No. Yeah. (laughs) They must have had to use that at the Christmas vacation house in Burbank.
0: Oh, right. (laughs) So, yeah, Alana, the story of the 1,800-square-foot home has sort of this amazing full-circle happy ending. After the movie was filmed, the neighborhood declined even Mm. further. You know, this is not like some of these other iconic homes where they picked, like, really nice homes and nice Mm -hmm. neighborhoods. And in 2004, entrepreneur Brian M. Jones, who's a native of San Diego, Bought the house just a month away from it being condemned. Wow. He bought it on eBay, sight unseen, what? for $150,000. Y- you mean
2: neither of you have helped anyone to buy or sell a house on eBay?
0: No, <laughs> no, I've not listed a house on eBay. Nope. I did sell my very first item on eBay this week. Oh. Yeah, I th- sold an extra thermostat that we had after we oh, moved in. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's sort of besides the point. Um. Okay, so Brian Jones... Is proof that sometimes the truth is just stranger than fiction because he actually used revenue from his business, the Red Rider Leg Lamp Company, for the down payment. What does his company make, you might ask? But of course, those leg lamps that were iconic in the movie. That's Really funny. That was meant to be. I think it was meant to be. Yeah, I
2: think, I mean, and he wasn't from Akron. He wasn't from the neighborhood. I I can only imagine that somebody sent him like a post about this house being for sale and because of his company, and he just decided on a whim. I mean, honestly,
0: that's really good PR for the company.
2: Yeah. So he spent thousands of dollars
0: to painstakingly recreate the look of the home from the movie and also turn it into a bed and breakfast while additionally also acquiring other properties on the street, the house and museum opened to the public on November twenty fifth, two thousand and six, with original cast members attending the grand opening. It attracts some seventy five thousand visitors annually, and it is still open daily for tours. Recently, Jones put the museum and B up for sale, but luckily it was purchased by a longtime employee who's keeping it open. That is really
2: sweet. Not awesome. Yes, it, I, I was looking at it. It looks kind of neat. So if you're ever in Cleveland, Ohio, go take a look at the uh, the house or the museum.
0: Well, and I love that you know this neighborhood had gone. Well, I don't love that the neighborhood gone down had gone downhill, but I love that they took what yeah. was not a great area and did something really Re- great revitalized with it. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. All right. Well, those are my crimes against Christmas, ladies. Um, it was really good. Yeah, I did enjoyed that. Do you have any other like crimes against Christmas that I didn't cover? I don't think so. No. You just go with the flow Christmas at your house. We hope you have a wonderful holiday, whatever traditions you take part in. And we will see you soon.
1: Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. You filthy
2: animals.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, y'all. Thanks for listening and being a part of our Crime Estate family. If you're curious about today's featured Crime Estate, you can find additional photos and details from today's episode online at CrimeEstate.com or on Facebook and Instagram by following at Crime Estate Podcast.
1: Have a crime estate we should cover? Let us know. Shoot us an email at crimeestatepodcast at gmail.com. Until next week.